0: Howdy folks, Andrew Bray here, son of your favorite podcast host, Barbara Bray. Hi, mom. <laughs>
1: I love when you say that.
0: <laughs> Wait, when I, when Hi, when when I when I call you mom.
1: <laughs> yeah, it just made, it warms my heart. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, it's happy. To, it's so good to hear your voice.
1: Uh, me too. I love it when you You know, it, the thing is is that I'm enjoying the podcast, but I'm enjoying our time together uh, just to talk and then to introduce these podcasts.
0: No, exactly. I mean, the thing that's so cool is is you track down, or they track you down, these amazing people that have such amazing stories. Speaking of which, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about, um, is it Rich Simpson?
1: Oh, my gosh. I am so fortunate to have met Rich I can't wait for people to hear about his story. And I've talked to him several times and I said, oh, we got to talk about that. We got to talk about this. So (laughs) when you hear his podcast, you won't believe it. I mean, one of his stories is growing up in Northern Ireland and his best friend being Catholic and he's Protestant and some of the things he did and his, his visit to the U.S. And you have to hear about that. Isn't that cool, Andrew?
0: Yeah, I can tell how excited you are. Is there anything else you want to share, too?
1: Oh, Rich has so many stories he he was telling me. And he lives on the Isle of Wight outside of London. Was that an accent attempt that I just heard? I was trying. Well, I asked him, I said to him, you're from Ireland, but you don't have an accent. He goes, oh, you want to hear it? And then I didn't understand a word he was saying. I mean, (laughs) he's so amazing. And he has this great story about wanting to be an officer in the army. And oh, when people listen to him, everyone's going to want to follow
0: him. Hmm. I'm looking forward to it. Hey, everybody, stay tuned and take a listen to Conversation with Barbara Bray and Rich Simpson.
1: I have someone really special here from the Isle of (laughs) Wight. Hi, Rich.
2: Hi, Barbara. How are you?
1: Oh, I am so excited to have you here with me today. This has been really fun talking to you. So this is Rich Simpson. Rich, is it okay if I kind of boast about you a little bit?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Very embarrassing, but yeah, go for it.
1: It's Rich Simpson. He's a year six teacher, a literacy lead, and he's in the Isle of Wight. I had to look that up. I told my husband, I said, how do you, is it white? Like, is that how you spell it? Just like white?
2: It's The-wh- white. It's, it's W-I-G-H-T, actually. It's not the same as the color. No, it's different.
1: Ah, that's why I had trouble finding it. And that's in the southeast of England.
2: It is, yeah, it's just off in sort of in the center of the bottom of England. It's about um, it's about 17 miles wide by ten miles across. It's a very small island. It's just off Southampton on the very south coast of England, yeah.
1: Oh, we're gonna talk about that. Now, the one thing I loved, I've been reading your blogs. They're all about books and kindness. And the reason I met you is you started that hashtag kindness ripple which is every thursday we're talking on a thursday i'm not sure if this will go up on a thursday but
2: okay yeah know <laughs> it's today
1: yeah it's really amazing and that's how i met you through it was evo's uh panel you were on for ed talk lives and yep. then then we were on the red team together
2: <laughs> we were did we win i can't remember did we win
1: we tied
2: <laughs> i think that we was a did. fair i think that was a fair result on the day
1: yeah, that was really fun. That was fun. So, but after we decided to talk a little bit before we did this one and, oh my gosh, I wanted to go on and on and on about you. And so I said, why don't we bring you on my show? And so that's why I needed to know more about your story because it's amazing. So welcome. Welcome. Thank to you me. very much. Thank you. I have Zoom on everyone. And, you know, I mentioned books and I can see all these books behind Rich. <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's only half of them. That's only half. Those are the ones I'm allowed to keep. The others I've had to get rid of. So I've got a very section of a room in the house where I'm allowed to have my books, and the rest of the house is book-free. So, yeah. Oh,
1: I have a bookshelf, but this is—you should see all the books everywhere. You know, this is like the living room. So,
2: (laughs) I think it makes a home. The more books there are, the more stories there are, the more interesting things there are. I think it's—it's a nice thing to have around the house.
1: And that's one reason why I do my my podcast is about the stories. I always found that, especially people who love books, because they're living through the books. And um, when you started telling me your story, I was like, kind of, it was, it touched my heart. So why don't you just do a, a little bit about? Actually, the story about you growing up is really touching. Why don't you share that? Um,
2: yeah, I, I grew up in Northern Ireland um, with mum, uh, my brother and sister. Um, my dad left uh, when we were quite young. Um, I didn't really know him at all. My grandmother and my grandfather were really close. They lived nearby and, and they looked after us. They had a big involvement in my life. But um, yeah, I, I didn't have a great start at school. I was excluded from preschool because of my behaviour. Wait a
1: minute. Okay, wait a minute. Preschool?
2: Oh yeah, preschool. Yeah, yeah. They this this started started an early age. Yeah.
1: No, but what could they, What could you have done to been excluded? What did?
2: Um, I don't think I played very nicely with other children, and I think I broke some toys and some equipment, and I just don't think they could they could deal with me. in, in those days, um, I've never spoken to anybody who was there and who saw it, but I've been told that they they asked me not to come back.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh! You know when when you so tell about kind of what led up to that anger inside of you. I mean, um, maybe
2: that I, was that. I honestly don't know. You know, I think part of part of it is possibly, you know, dad not being around and there might have been issues around that. I, I honestly don't know. And I haven't really talked to my mom too much about it, apart from you know talking to her about the fact that I didn't have an easy time at school. Um, when I then moved on and started into mainstream school, um, we call it reception here. You'd call it kindergarten. I, they wouldn't have me in the school unless I was medicated to keep me calm. So uh, I was put on Valium. And uh, Val- I had to be, Oh. Yeah, on Valium until until I was seven. So I think that was my entire first year at school and into my second year at school. So sort of year one here. Whereupon I came across a teacher called Mrs. Riddle, and I can remember her classroom. I can remember walking into her classroom, and her desk was at the front, and she had books and she had bookshelves, and she was a really lovely old lady with sort of grey hair. And yeah, and she um, she spoke to my mom, and she said, you know, I I don't think she agreed with children being on medication. Um, and she said I can deal with this and I think my mum had her doubts possibly I don't think I was very easy at home either and she said well let's give this a go and see and um, she got me into books and she got me reading and that was it. it it took off from there and the whole way through school English and reading and language was my thing I always had a book I was always being given more books by teachers I think it was a way of them keeping me quiet possibly here take that book go and sit in the corner be quiet and behave yourself and I was quite happy to do that so um and that carried on the whole way through English was always my favorite subject I was always good at English um I didn't necessarily get good exam results in English but I was good at English (laughs) and uh I, I sort of muddled my way through high school I didn't have a good high school experience I was um Horribly bullied. I had I had anxiety issues around, I think it was sort of, I think nowadays it would be recognised as attachment. I didn't want to leave my mum at home. I wanted to to have her and, and to not leave part. So I had school phobia. I saw counsellors for that. We went the whole way through school with with issues around attendance and not wanting to be in school. Um, my mum had health issues. I think that possibly could have been part of it as well. I was maybe worried about that. And yet uh, horrendous bullying. Through another friend of mine, um, he was... He was a a Commonwealth Games level swimmer and we were best friends. We'd been best friends at primary school on into high school. He was a swimmer. He was brilliant. Um, He was headed for Commonwealth, if not Olympic Games. His brother was the same, Um, but it was a big rugby school. Um, And so there were maybe, I think it was 1,800 boys, an all boys school. But rugby was the game to play there. And if you were a swimmer, that's not a very manly sport, is it apparently? So um, he got a hard time. Um, And because I was friends with him, I got a hard time as well. And it it went on for years and it it culminated in (sighs) the year before we left school. um, These boys followed him on a bus as he was coming to my house and they dragged him off the bus about 100 metres from my house. And they took him into the sand dunes near the beach and they gave him such a beating. They blinded him in one eye um, and they ended his swimming career. And it went on for about a year and a half. Then we were still at school together And because these boys were all in the rugby team and their dads were involved in the school and it was an all-boys school, very prestigious, um, they were protected and they got away with it. And it was was horrific. It made the last couple of years at school even worse than school had been for me. Um, We had all this going on. My friend um, was injured, had to have surgery and all sorts going on. The the bullying continued because they didn't want me to say anything about it. The school did an investigation where, you know, the the school's idea of investigation was to sit me in the school conference room on one side of a conference table and the 20 boys that were involved in the bullying were sat the other side of the table with the head teacher and the deputy head teacher and they said right you you tell us what's been happening and tell us how bad this is please you know um so yeah you know i hadn't mentioned that in my other stories had i no i
1: mean i was gonna go in a whole different direction and you didn't tell me that one. No, but I, you did tell you did tell me you grew up in Northern Ireland, and you told me that because of the war there between the Protestants and the Catholics, that was a different story. You told me.
2: Yeah, I mean that that was part of the whole school process. It, it still is part of the whole school system in Northern Ireland. Is it's it's mainly segregated. You've got. Um, primary schools that are faith-based. So you've got, you know, a, a Catholic church school or you've got a what's a, a Protestant church school and you've got certain towns which are either one way or the other um, and the children go to those schools and it, it causes massive problems with segregation and, and you know, splitting the community. I, th- I think, you know, in my head, it's, it's almost akin to, to like apartheid in South Africa and keeping people apart. I, I went to the school yeah. I went to, 50 metres up the road from us, was a convent school called Loretto Convent. And we weren't allowed to get the same buses home. They had separate buses and a separate bus stop to us. We didn't share the buses. It it was across the street. We were next to each other. They were on the same hill going out of town. They were on the same hill. You know, we, we we were the first school up the hill and they were the next school up the hill. We didn't we didn't do anything with these guys. We we didn't play football against them. We didn't play teams against them. They didn't integrate or try to partner up in any way. And in my head, looking back on it, it was madness. What is going on? These schools are next to each other. You're in Northern Ireland where there's huge political divide and religious divide and, and history going back ages about, you know, these two communities not working together. And these schools were next to each other and they were doing nothing about that. And and at that age, they should have been trying to get us together to see that, you know, we're all 15, 16, 17, 18 year old lads. Why aren't you doing things together and playing sport together rather than you have your sports, we have our sports? Um, You can go and play in that football league and we'll play in this football league. You know, you get that bus home, you get that bus home to stop there being trouble. Well, by dividing us, you're causing problems in the future, aren't you? You know, it was looking back on it now, I can't believe it's still happening. I can't. And I know there is a big push and that's unfair on on the education system. in Northern I think there's a big push on trying to have what they call integrated schools now, which are multi-faith open schools where anybody can, any community can go to. But I think it's so historical um, and it's so set up to be divided that it's a very, very hard cycle to to break and to change.
1: So, you told me something that happened to you then, I think you were seventeen you I was sixteen they, yeah sixteen tell tell that story that is amazing
2: well, um, I was very lucky in that it, it's a it's a program that um I'd heard about it and not didn't really know about, it. and it was it's on a four year cycle. And I've, I've just after talking to, you, I went away and I looked, and it's it's still running. It's called Ulster Project Delaware. Ulster is another name for Northern Ireland. It's the, the province, it's the historical province, provincial name for Northern Ireland. Um, and this is called UPD or Ulster Project Delaware. Um, and what this charity does is they go around Northern Ireland to three different cities, towns. Um, and every sort of four years it cycles around and they choose nine boys and nine girls and nine Protestant and nine Catholics. And they bring them together and they took us to America, to Delaware for just over a month. And they, they put you with a host family. And I stayed with a family called the Chapmans and I can tell you their, address, I won't tell you their address because I don't want to publicize, but you know, I've still got it <laughs> embedded in my head. Um, oh. And they were, um, Jeff and Judy and Jim were, were the, the mum and the dad and the son who I was, I was partnered up with and he had an older brother and they were just the, most, the loveliest family and, and I lived with them um, and we went to all sorts of events um, designed to, I think nowadays it would be to expand my horizons and open my mind and let me see other things. Where I grew up in Northern Ireland was a very, very small little coastal town. It's 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 a holiday town. It's dead for ten months of the year, and it's alive in July and August in the summer holidays. And we've got amusement parks, and you'd call it your boardwalk, and your you know all these little sort of you know the beaches and everything going on. And then everything closes, and it's dead. And there's there's not very much there, including other faiths and other cultures and people from lots of other backgrounds. Especially when I was growing up, sort of you know forty years ago. So to go to America um, and to see uh, other um, faiths and cultures, um, we we went to a mosque. I'd never seen a mosque before. I'd never met anyone. (laughs) I never met anyone. We went to a Quaker uh, that's a setting. We went to uh, we spent some time with the Amish community, which was incredible. We went to the Amish and and sort of blew my mind. It still does. It blows my mind. You know that. These things happen and they're still going. Uh, we went and we worked in a homeless shelter in Philadelphia for a while. We went to the White House. We went to the Oval Office in the White House and we met a politician. Now, I'm not sure I'd be particularly proud of that at the minute to boast about that. But, you know, at the time, this was incredible. We went to the Senate and we sat in on a session of the Senate. And we talked, oh my goodness. To, we talked to people about you know what it was like in Northern Ireland for us growing up. And I think part of the idea was it was going to try and break down barriers and, and break down divides and, and let people in America know that, you know, I know in America, you've got a big thing about your Irish heritage and your Irish backgrounds and things. And to show people that Ireland, you know, people in Ireland still had these issues going on and to try and, and do something about it. So um, it was a brilliant project. Um, it's the type of project that knowing it's still going on, I'd really like to try and, and if I can get involved in some way with and help because it, it yes. made such a difference to me opening my mind, seeing things, doing things. I think especially as probably not a very confident 16-year-old, I wasn't expecting to get on this project at all. As I say, I didn't have a great time at school. I wasn't particularly popular. Um, I wasn't on the sports teams. So to be picked as one of these 18, and because they were picked from all the different schools, it was it was a, a big deal to get picked yeah, it, it was amazing. And looking back on it now, you know, a, a huge opportunity and, and a brilliant, a big part of my life, actually.
1: I think it's amazing that you got picked. When you consider all you've been through, it must have completely changed your life.
2: I, th- I think it just made me aware that there's more out there. Um, yeah. And if anything... Yeah. Um, you know I'd grown up in quite a small community we were we were fairly lucky the town I was in was actually quite mixed it wasn't very much Protestant very much Catholic it was very much split between the two so you know there was a Catholic church there was the the Church of Ireland was the church I belonged to and so the community did mix quite a lot there so I had had that but um, I think some of the other people who were involved hadn't um, and we especially certainly hadn't seen you know Mosques and temples and and other religious um, buildings and, and met anyone really outside of those two faith groups. So it really opened my mind to to the idea that there isn't a right and wrong for these things, and I'm not sure there's actually a lot of difference between a lot of the beliefs. It made me really, really question a a lot of, you know, actually it's the values that are important, not the name you put with the the faith in particular. So yeah, it really did make me think and it still does make me think quite deeply about things like that.
1: I bet you that kind of helped build the foundation of the kindness movement.
2: (laughs) For you anyway.
1: (sighs) I mean, think about it. If you were bullied and all these other things that happened to you, and then you had this wonderful experience to open the world to you and i mean it's years later now but it's still amazing
2: yeah i mean the kindness thing sort of happened this year um it's not anything i actively worked upon or thought about until now um i think it might be part of why i'm a teacher and and how i deal with children and it's always been there that i want them to have a better time at school than i did Um, and i want them to have opportunities and to see the opportunities like i had I'd never put a name to it before. And the kindness ripple came off the back of writing a blog for um, a company in the UK called Twinkle that are like an education resource company, an online company. Um, And one of their editors said they were trying to do something about, you know, values in school. And um, he'd heard me talk about a book um, and he said, "You you should put some of that in writing. So, so I did. And one of the quotes that I used in it was a quote from Roald Dahl, Um, about how he valued, above all other values, kindness. You know, if you're kind, that's that's the be-all and end, all of things. It's better than courage. It's better than bravery. It's better than some other things. I can't remember the exact quotes, shame on me, but um, I I put that in at the end and someone said, that's a great idea. You know, that one act of kindness, the idea that if you're nice to someone, they'll be nice to someone else and they'll be nice to someone else and they'll be nice to someone else and it ripples outwards. I don't think I'm the first person to ever use the idea of, you know, a, a ripple of kindness I put the hashtag to it and I said, you know, it was a Thursday, it just happened to be a Thursday. And I said, you know, let's, I think I, my first ever tweet, but said, let's be thankful this Thursday. I'd like to start a kindness ripple. Um, and I'm going to thank these people because they've been really nice to me or they've been my friends on friends on Twitter. You know, it sounds a bit sad, doesn't it? Friends on Twitter. These are people I've never met in Why? real life. Why? I I me? Well, you're one of them. So, you know, it's really lovely. I've <laughs> met the, I've met these amazing people and I'm not on Twitter for the kindness thing. I, I started, this is a whole nother story, Barbara. So I'm going off on all these tangents here. I, I, I was going to go,
1: that's okay. No, no. We'll write this stuff on the blog post. You just keep talking. <laughs> yeah. I'm loving
2: this. The, the reason I'm on Twitter was because um, we had a visitor into my school on World Book. We have World Book Day here. Um, and we give out free book tokens to the children that they go to the bookstore to try and buy a book from. And they, re- they produce these reduced price books that the children get a book on on World Book Day and it's a re- we have a big thing in school to promote reading and so the kids had all come in dressed up as characters from books. So we had everything from Little Bo Peep to Where's Wally to I think I was dressed as Tintin. I tried to curl my hair and I'd stapled <laughs> I'd stapled like a white stuffed dog to my leg that I was walking around with for the day to be snowy. <laughs> so you know, and this guy came in and he was like a mad scientist. He's um he's on Twitter. He's, he's a guy called Nick Corston and he runs a, a STEM and engineering um, company called Steamco. And they go into schools to promote the arts so um it's science technology um engineering arts and maths and, and he came in and he did a day about rocket launches and rocket buildings and we got talking um and he gave me a copy of a book and he said you know you should get on twitter talking about books and i said i'm not a big fan of twitter i don't like it and he said why not and i said i've had a bad experience before someone sent me horrible messages i'm not interested and he said honestly having heard you talk you should you should go on there and just get involved with the book side of things stay away from other stuff so I went home that night and I started it and and it started and I got conversing with a couple of people about books and things and it's sort of gone from there and then the blog about the kindness happened because I put this quote by Roald Dahl on and it's all sort of snowballed and it, it's all a bit mad really you know
1: yeah you just joined I think in March and yeah. you're already up to almost 6,000 followers yeah, you, I, you did something.
2: <laughs> it, it's it's yeah, it's slightly mad. You know the the kindness yeah. ripple, the kindness ripple. At one stage, in the, the when we were in Lockland here in the summer holidays, I had a lot more time on a Thursday because I wasn't teaching full time at the same time. And I tried to answer every single sort of kind, and I ran out of times, couldn't do it. There were something like you know eight thousand interactions and eight thousand, and it doesn't sound up I don't know if that's a lot on Twitter. I'm not very good with the analytics yes. of it, but you know it's it, a was, lot. it is. Okay, that's that's good. <laughs> But yeah, to put it, it's it's slightly mad. Again, it's sort of one of those things that sort of blows my mind. But the idea that that one one message of me saying, have a nice Thursday, everybody hears the kindness ripple, thank you to one person. And they spread and they spread and they spread it. And it does, it's that sort of, you know, that that exponential growth of it. And it just shows what, what you can do with one message of positivity. You know, and I suppose the same is true for the negatives. Everybody remembers that one negative point, don't they? You know, if you have a meeting and you're told all these nice things are the same in school. If you're a pupil and you're told good things, good things, good things, good things, good things, but you remember the but, don't you?
1: That's why you need to do end, and, and yeah. not, uh, not, but, yeah, yeah. Oh, and so you're okay, you went off completely what we were going to talk about. So, I, <laughs> but I'm, I'm one of the things you told me is you weren't always going to be a teacher, you were going to be an officer in the army, and
2: yeah, yeah, no, I. I, I did. I wrote a blog about it and I think you're gonna link that in the in the, the buy on things. Yeah. But um I wrote a blog called I always wanted to be a teacher, but I didn't want to always be a teacher, if that makes sense. So <laughs> teaching yes, had all teaching had always been something I, I wanted to do. Um I loved books and I was very lucky to have a couple of great teachers. Miss Riddle, who was the teacher who, who brought me books, I'll always remember her name, another teacher called Mrs. Nevin, um, who was just lovely. And a teacher at high school who was the most passionate teacher of English and books that I've ever met. He was a real. Oh, what's the what's the, the what's the movie with Robin Williams um, where he's the teacher? Good Will, is it Goodwill?
1: Oh, Goodwill Hunting.
2: Goodwill Hunting, the, and he yeah, or is it Dead Poets? One of the stand, Dead Poets. Is,
1: that's Dead Poets Society. He's yeah.
2: standing on the table, isn't he? And he's shot, and he does like. Well, this guy basically did that. He was. Um, <laughs> he, he's. We called him Hamish because he was Scottish and that's a sort of Scottish nickname. And he had a a sort of real posh Scottish accent. And he he had been a fighter pilot in World War Two. He'd been a Spitfire pilot. So, you know, boys dreams in an all boys school. This boy was a hero. This guy was a hero. You know, so I came from an army family, um, a forces family. Um, My grandfather, my brother's still in the army. My dad was in the army. My uncles were in the army or the Navy. It, It was the family. That's the thing we do in our family. We join the army. And so I'd always wanted to do that. And so from an early age, I'd always said, I'm going to join the army. What are you going to do? I'm going to go to university. Then I'm going to join the army. But I was quite clear, having seen what happened to a lot of people who joined the army, come out without anything to do. There's, there's a lot of problems down the road with that. So I was very clear. I'm going to go to university. I'm going to sort out what I'm going to do for a career. I'm going to be a teacher. So I'm going to go to university and do English and education, get my teaching qualifications. I'll join the army. If it works out, I'll stay in the army for 10, 20, however many years. Um, and I'll come out of the army and I'll have teaching to fall back into. A bit like this teacher that I really loved at high school did. You know, he came out of the Air Force and became a teacher. So so, so that was the sort of plan, but it, it didn't work out, you know. Um, I I came to the Isle of Wight after university um, I came to a friend's wedding and uh, I hadn't taken getting a job very seriously I'd played a lot of rugby at university and really found my feet playing rugby and sport I really enjoyed it Mm. I think possibly that was to get back at the school I'd been to where I hadn't been in the sports team
1: yeah
2: I think it I think a big part of that was I I turned up at university and they said oh you've come from that school that's a big rugby school you must be good at rugby and I said I never really played and they said why not and I said I, I didn't like the other people that were playing it, um, and they said, "Well, why didn't you give it a go?" And yeah, I ended up being captain of the university of the college rugby team and, and playing for the playing for the university team. Uh, yeah, so I, I did all right, um, and I think part of it was me sort of yeah sticking two fingers up, if you pardon the expression, at the um at the people <laughs> that I didn't want to play with um elsewhere. So
1: you showed them.
2: <laughs> I, well, yeah, yeah, it, well, yeah, yeah, I did. I think. I hope so. Oh,
1: you're cute. Yeah. I mean, the whole thing is, is that we live our lives. And sometimes that time in your life when you're young, you think that's the only time that you yeah. can be certain something. And, and you've been able to build on the experiences.
0: This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow. And the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com. .com. Now let's get back to the episode.
1: I mean, it's really, you have a lot more experiences. so I'm just trying to figure out how much I, I think what I want to do is put a lot of that in the blog post about all the, and but that post, but yep. talk about why, some of the things you're doing now with books, because I'm, I mean, one, it, it, you're, you're kind of doing the kindness ripple, but you're doing something about donating books doing some things about books I'm trying to remember what what you told
2: me now yeah there's a few things going on with books yeah um okay I, I just do the I, I have a, a website called whatiread.co.uk where I do book reviews um, and I post some ah. my blogs on there um so that that was just I started that for fun in lockdown um I, I enjoyed reading about books I hadn't done any writing for quite a long time and I just thought I'm gonna I'm gonna write a book review um Part of it was because I'd heard you get free books if you do book reviews for the company and you tell them you're doing it. So I thought I'll get some free books. So that was good. Um, but they arrived on a Kindle, and I, I don't like reading on a Kindle. I hate it. I just really don't like. It. I have to have paper copies of books.
1: You have to hold it in your hands. I yeah, know. There's something. Like there's something you're...
2: about the feel of it and the smell of it, and and I wanted that. But anyway, so the book the, the book website's sort of gone well and um people seem to like what I was writing and what I was talking about and I did it alongside putting tweets out about the books. And so, you know, I've been involved in a couple of book launches, which have been quite nice. They've they've asked me to sort of you know host the book launch for the day and do the first review or or be part of what they call a blog tour for the book on the first week it's out and do interviews with the author and stuff. So yeah, um and a couple of online book festivals interviewing authors and things like that. So so that's really nice, and it's all about promoting reading. Um, I think that's, you heard me talking about books and sort of heard me go off on a tangent. I was told I was allowed to recommend two books and I had a minute and I think I tried to get 10 in a minute. And yeah, like, you did. You know? Yeah, I was yeah. like, I want him to keep going.
1: <laughs> he only had two
2: minutes. Yeah. <laughs> There's so yes. many good ones. That's the problem. There's so many good ones. You know, you can't limit yourself to two books. My my wife laughs at me. She says, what's your favourite book? And I said, oh, What category? What category? <laughs> And you know, well, my favorite my favorite World War Two book is this book. But that's my favorite World War Two book for adults. There's a favorite World War Two book for children, um, and my favorite book about adventures well, adventures in the jungle, or adventures at sea, or adventures in the desert. You know, there's not one adventure book. There's adventure books set all over the place. I've got one in each category. So you know, I, I can't stop at one or two books. That's ridiculous.
1: Oh, see, I hear your children. It's
2: wonderful. <laughs> my, my kid my kids like books as well they haven't got any choice that's it but you know my um it's funny my my daughter's eight nine. she's always been keen at keen reading and she's always wanted to to copy and pick up books and read books um and finn my son um, wasn't so keen um until this year in lockdown um and a couple of books arrived um, for me to review and he picked one of them up and he said what's this and I said that's oh, a book and it was a book about a werewolf a little werewolf called Wolfie and it's by an Irish author called Lindsay Sedgwick
0: oh.
2: um, and he wanted me to read this book to him and I started reading the book and reading the book um, and I came downstairs one night having read it and and heard something upstairs and we went back upstairs and he'd um, he'd got a torch and he was under the covers of his bed and he was reading the rest of the book to himself and it's the first time I'd seen him want to read a book by himself and sort of be that absorbed in the book that he was going to carry on reading without me pressuring him into it um and it, yet yeah, it, it melted my heart it still does I, it i he does it every night we i we, we read to the children every night it's a big thing we we read to my daughter we read to my son um and when we when we finished reading to them they're allowed to carry on reading um for sort of 10-15 minutes um and hearing him sit in his bed reading his book to himself still gets me every time it's it's lovely
1: well your daughter's name is Isla
2: it is yeah
1: and your son is Finn and Isla is how old?
2: Isla is eight she's eight and how old
1: and how old is Finn? He's six and he's reading on his own
2: oh yeah he's a good reader he loves it yeah he's he's they're both superstars actually you know um and I'm Um, very careful I'm very careful not to push it too much you know they know that I love books and, and they love books and it's of their own volition, though. It's not me pushing them onto them. I still will every time we walk past a bookshop. I'm like, "Do you want one? Let's go. Let's go." You know, and uh, it's as much for me as they am, because I'll pick one up on the way past as well. But it's the one thing I won't say no to. If they want a book, we'll, we'll get a book. Uh, a book read, so.
1: Well, I love I, see. To me, the whole idea of kindness is to give that love of books too, because I I've seen it with my own granddaughter, who's a little older than your children. So, um, and I love. I, I have to read every day but she started reading very young and one of the things that's really cool is now she's writing her own story and she's make it's it's beautiful because she's coming up with the map of the world that, the world she's designed and it's that imagination it takes you into new places you'd never go because you open it up and it could be anywhere right
2: it is, you know, and just for you're saying that, it, it, it's made me link back to the, the Delaware thing. You know, a, a book a book opens your eyes to what else is out there. A bit like that that Delaware project opened my eyes to other places and other things in the world. So I think for me, books, definitely, that that's a big deal. Um, it shows people things they might not have experienced before. It shows people other places, um, other events, other people. But I think equally importantly, it can show them themselves. And they can see themselves in the story that they might not have. They might not have someone in real life they can identify with, or they might have feelings that they can't discuss, but they might see a character in a book that they can do that with. And that's a really important thing for me, I think, um, to enable children to have access to. Um, I teach in a pretty tricky area um, on the Isle of Wight. There's big social deprivation. Um, We've got a serious problem with sort of lack of aspiration, um, and children feel really limited by where they are and what they can do um and I think you know the cold covid pandemics maybe made that even worse so you know if if I can show them books that that expand their horizons and make them think oh, if they can do that, why can't I or I can have a go at that or wow that that sounds amazing. How can I get there or do something like that then that's the power of books to me you know it, it's giving people it's opening their eyes to possibility well, I was just
1: going to ask you about what it's like now during the pandemic and and on the Isle of Wight because it's probably affected tourism, affected everything,
2: right? Yeah, massively. There's been a a massive problem and I think it's going to have a big knock-on effect. Um, You know, the government were, I I say pretty good, I've worked the whole way through it so it hasn't affected me in terms of loss of income and things but I think a lot of families and a lot of businesses here have been because it's tourist based um, and it's visitor based and people have been stopped traveling to here. They've They've not been able to open the restaurants and the cafes and all the hospitality side of things. So that's going to be a big problem going forward that I think people have been slightly protected from it by the government initiatives to pay and furlough. They called it here and pay 80 percent of their salary, which is fine. But if the business never opens again, that's it, isn't it? You know, they've had that salary until now. But once the pandemic finishes and hopefully things start getting back to normal, if those businesses don't open again, what do those people do? So that that's going to be a big problem.
1: Well, I don't want to end on that.
2: No, definitely
1: I not. A, we want to uh, we want to pull it together because I'm thinking there is not going to be a normal. I think that one of the things that's cool is your idea of kindness and that ripple effect, but it's also looking at opportunities now. Where what you know? What can we do to spread kindness? Uh, with that ripple effect, but also to get hope somehow hope for the people on that on Isle of Wight and all of England, basically, I mean, how do we do this around
2: right now? It's a big question, isn't it? I think, you know, it, it's looking at stories of people who've come out of things with a positive. Against it's to do with stories, isn't it? You know, um, yeah. we're not the first people in, in history to have faced a massive global it's a, it's the first time there's been a big global issue there. you know, people come out of wars, people come out of civil wars, refugees start again in new countries. People people are resilient, people people can yeah. move forward. If you see the positive and people are nice to each other, then we can do anything you know people work together yeah. and, and come together and help each other out then then it, anything's possible
1: so that's the reason why i wanted you on my podcast because when we talked i mean we could go right now people are spiraling down they don't think they have hope and i'm doing a whole thing on hope during the holidays and hope and gratitude and you're doing things on kindness i re, and hope and we need to figure it out how we can get more of the stories like you just said is those
2: stories what What you've just said to me has reminded me again about one of the the other blogs that I wrote which was you know I, I always want to be a teacher but didn't want to always be a teacher and one of the things that happened when I didn't get in the army was that I didn't know what I was going to do with myself that had been my life plan the whole way through um and again, I mean, I really did not know what I was going to do with myself. My heart was set. I, I had a start date for it. Um, I'd had a big shoulder injury and had surgery to fix that. And I thought I was I thought I thought was in. I'd done the interviews. Um, so my start date was in January. I'd been for the interviews. I'd done residentials. I'd would been shouted at by sergeant majors already. And I'd sort of got through that, you know. Um, and I'd quit my job. I'd sold my house. I split up with the girlfriend I'd been going out with for a couple of years because she didn't want me to, but I wanted to join the army. And I got this letter in December with the army crest on it. And I thought, oh, this is going to be giving me my sort of final instructions and things. And I opened it and it said, uh, you know, dear Mr. Simpson, um, with regards to your start at Sandhurst Military Academy in January, um, we regret to inform you. We've just looked at your medical records and you've had uh, three operations on your shoulder. Um, you should never have be been let take the interviews um you're an automatic med you're an automatic medical reject and failure basically don't don't bother turning up
0: <laughs>
2: and, oh my and so i was like, you, you must be joking i've i've done the interviews i've turned up i've been over the assault course and under the assault course and through the assault course and up and down and i've done all of that and they said yeah it's a, it's a red tape it's um you've had surgery it's an automatic no don't bother turning up and so yeah I thought oh what do I do now so I went back into school and my head teacher was really good and um, I said you know uh, she said you know know this army thing and she said yeah and she'd known I was planning to join the army for a while because I was only supposed to do a year and then join the army straight away and I'd stayed for a couple of years um, and then I got injured and had the surgery so that was another couple of years so it would already been sort of four or five years teaching uh, and she'd let me stay on a rolling contract all that time, knowing that I uh, that this this was the plan. And I said, "Um, yeah, the, uh, the army thing's not going to happen." And she went, "Oh, not again! You've hurt yourself playing rugby again. Or haven't you learned?" And I said, uh, "Well, it is to do with that, but it's they've just said no. You know, it doesn't matter that it's fixed and that it's fine. They've just said don't bother turning up." And she said, "Oh, well, that's okay. I hadn't got a replacement. You can stay." And I said, I do not want to stay. I wanted to. I wanted to join the army." And that's all I've ever wanted to do. And now, you know, it'd always been a, oh, I will delay it for a while. We'll delay it for a while. This was a definite no. And so, yeah, I, I can remember sitting in a coffee shop in Newport, which is the big town in the Isle of Wight, with um, some friends. And they said, "What are you going to do?" And I said, "I oh, really don't know." And I almost had a panic attack. And they said, "You know, this this isn't the rich. We know you've always been. You know what you're doing. You know, you had your plan of teach army teach." And this has thrown a big spanner in the works. So um, they said, you know, you've sold your house. You've split up with, God. What, what are you going to do? And I said, well, I, I really don't know.
0: <laughs>
2: and so I went to the travel agent and, and I said, what do you want to do? And I said, I think I'd like to go to Australia. I went there for a few months um, between university and starting college. And I followed a rugby team around and went to a rugby tour. I think I'd. I think i will go to. Can I book a ticket to Australia? Because I just sold the house, so I had a lot of money in the bank, Barbara. <laughs> like a, a lot of money in the bank for a you know twenty-five year old lad. And I bought a plane ticket to Australia with no intent, no idea what I was going to do when I got there. And I stopped off in Thailand on the way out. And uh, I'm going off on a complete tangent again. Are you are you okay with this? <laughs> well, I'm
1: okay, but we we you kind of have to pull it together. And your whole story okay. could be a whole nother blog post, yeah, uh, podcast.
2: Long story short, I ended up in Thailand and I stayed in yeah. Thailand on the way to Australia. And um, <laughs> I stayed and I, I trained as a like a Muay Thai boxer for about three or four I know. months. Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh wait a minute! I, 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 I uh, there's a whole bunch of stuff you did because I was sitting yeah. here reading your story and it's, I'm thinking we should have we should have started with all of these because these yeah. are amazing.
2: I think the the moral of the story is I, I took a year out and I went and I traveled around the world and I did all these pretty amazing things, you know, the, mm-hmm. the fight school in Thailand. And I worked on the boat that you talked about earlier. And um, I worked in London at a language school for a while, but I ended up coming back to teaching. And out of that negative, yeah. I think I came back and a bit like the Delaware project where I'd seen lots of other things. I'd been away and it sounds a bit of a cliche and I don't realize, but I'd sort of, I'd, I'd found myself. I decided that I wanted to come back and I wanted to teach, but I had all these really, really amazing life experiences. Um, and I've been able to bring that back in and think actually, this is what some of the kids and this is what some people need. They need opportunities to do these things. And if they if they don't get the opportunities to do them, they need to know that those opportunities are there for them at least so they can go and find them. So I suppose pulling it all together um, with your story of hope, you know, when, it, when things didn't work out for me the way that I wanted them to, I didn't know what I was going to do. And was, there's probably quite a lot of people thinking and feeling like that at the minute. But you need to maybe try something new or or maybe not worry about it if you can for a while and, and see what happens because things have a way of working out and, and coming good in the end. And you sometimes find that out of that, you find what you really want to do and to come back to. And for me, that was teaching.
1: I think that you you know you had that time to travel and now people have this time just to be by themselves. And some people are finding Knew me's you know they didn't know they were able to do certain things and so we we just have to have that glimmer of hope and you never know what's going to happen so oh wow like I said I we could do like 14 of these because (laughs) your story is amazing I didn't want to you know share everything but we're going to write a blog post with it and put some of the pictures in that you shared and and tell people and then We'll probably get you back. Do something else.
2: <laughs> I'd love to. It's been lovely talking to you.
1: Oh, this is just like I was having. I have coffee. I don't know if you have tea or coffee with you, but
2: yeah,
1: <laughs> I, it's just sitting on the porch, just talking. This has been wonderful. Thank you so much, and enjoy your family. <laughs> <laughs> I can hear them
2: oh sorry sorry
1: oh no that was the most beautiful part of this is having the voices in the background I just love it this is something like uh anything I can do to help with the kindness the ripple you know kindness ripple and and encouraging books and doing anything like that I think I'm not the only one there's a lot of people that'll be joining you
2: Oh brilliant. That's lovely. So yeah, I mean I'll as I say I'll I'll share some links and share some tags and things and I try and tag you in most Thursdays because you are very kind and you do retweet it and you pass the message on. So yeah, that's lovely. Thank you very much.
1: Oh thank you. Have a beautiful day. Thank you. This is Barbara Bray. Thank you for listening to the Rethinking Learning podcast and my conversation with Rich Simpson. Make sure you check out the blog post that goes with this podcast about Rich on my Rethinking Learning website. It includes his story growing up in Northern Ireland, why books matter, his kindness ripple, and so much more. You can subscribe to my website at barbrabray.net to receive announcements, updates, and you can even check out the guiding questions for my book Define Your why. I hope you subscribe to my podcast because... We'll be sharing ideas, stories, and reflections during this crisis. Now, we need each other more than ever. All of our stories matter. Keep sharing your story, and please stay safe and be well.